And Mr. Monty DiZimililio, can I just say on behalf of the North American Ferrari Dealers Association, how proud we are to welcome the first deliveries of your new flagship automobile. And the boys in Southern California, they're just going to be so excited that you named it for them. The L.A. Ferrari, it's perfect. Oh, well, I'm uh, sorry, sir. I just assumed it was L.A. Ferrari. Well, yeah, it's an easy mistake to make. I mean, it's hot, and it's going to have assholes in it. Hello and welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. It's been such a long time since we recorded the programme. I feel I should reintroduce ourselves to each other. Hello, Richard. I'm Gareth. I used to do this podcast. Hi, How are you doing? Yeah. How are you doing? We did I, I something. I think we met before. Yeah, I think it was about, six... about 20 years ago. Yeah, that's right. A, 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 Music a, a, compilation thing. It used thing. to be called Podcast. Yeah, that's right. And you are. Zog. Hey, Gareth. Good to see you. Nice again. to yeah, see you, man. Yeah, how you been? Did you. Uh, you enjoy living in our house while we were on holiday which is what you did oh, I was doing a bit of house sitting and, uh, and cat sitting and uh, yes it was very good me and Finn the cat got on fine you didn't take a, Finn for a run in your an car an absurdly large scratching post turned up at one point for you or for Finn uh, for Finn right, thank you so, and Richard you've been on holiday as well haven't you yes I went to the Americas for a couple of weeks all of them all of them south north yeah uh, Middle, Las Americas, which I think is in the Canary Islands, yeah. didn't go there. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yes, I, that's what I did on my holidays. I went to America, and it was very hot and very nice. And that smuggling that you're doing is the uh, the reason that we've got that's a police why, yes, chasing the, you. This is a funny thing. I've mentioned on the show before. I have a little baby boy now, and trying to get baby powder into a foreign country. <sighs> It's not a relaxing experience because you're well, always thinking, oh, they're just going to assume that it's drugs because what the well, ultimate bluff would but be. But it is to... because, you know, don't they usually cut cocaine with baby powder? Do they really? Yes, someone else said that to me and they went, well, at the very least, they could assume you're just taking it to your supplier to cut with his product. Well, yeah, but I'm also holding a baby. <laughs> it seems like a more plausible <laughs> reason yeah. why I've got a big drum of baby That's powder. That's just your cover. Um, I mean, really. But, but, but no, you... it was fine in the end. I didn't get arrested, but it's just one of those things where it's sort of not relaxing because you're thinking, oh, mm. they're going to unpack everything now. <laughs> I must have told you this story before about how I came through customs in Dover on the way back from a holiday in Spain once and they took a look at me and my mate Vinny looking like a likely pair of lads and we were in the Lancia HPE at the time we'd driven very quickly and they said right lads get out and they took the car apart you know they emptied everything out of every bag and they took the door panels off the car they took the seats out and they put it back together and they did a better job than Lancia <laughs> in the first place Cleared all the rattles that's just reminded me of something very quickly, do either of you want to spend four and a half thousand pounds on a car that probably doesn't work and never will? I Absolutely. saw your tweet yes. earlier, and yes. I, I, this, I no? briefly considered looking right for one of those up years ago. Your Piazza, my what, friend. What? I missed this oh, one on eBay. You know I think it car. was a Lancia Thema. Oh yes, the eight thirty-two. Get in in the UK. Yes, black Alcantara interior, inexplicably no dashboard. The man had taken it out because it had cracked or something, and he got in. You one, but hadn't yeah. had time to put yeah. it in, but otherwise all intact. Oh. And he claimed it ran very well. 
Yeah. I'm not again. I'm not sure they ever did, even when they left the factory. Yeah. But, ooh, what a rarity. Yeah. Well, yeah. You yeah. Put, launch your bodywork and launch your electrics. And <laughs> a 308 GTB engine. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I bodged around Ferrari engines. They made keep you busy on weekends. Didn't they? They had to make it run the other way because the yeah the 832 because the last thing was front wheel drive. That engine was never meant for such things. Do you know when you see a car like that, though, a really inadvisably silly car that probably will never work and that you don't need, but your first little flicker in the back of your mind is... Ooh, I could ring the guy. No, no, I'm not yeah, going to yeah, ring no, the guy. No, Why no, would no. I ring the guy and go, hi, I'm ringing about the Lancia? Yeah, how because is it? Because you just want the experience of opening a bonnet and going, oh. Yeah, I just want to be able to tell people, say, oh, uh, Rich, what have you got at the moment? I'll go, oh, well, you know, we've got the Fiat, and then we've got the Merc, but we've, yeah, I've also got a Lancia Thamer 832 yes. with a Ferrari engine in it. And people who know cars would go, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah I would. Yeah, I exactly. think other people would go, a what? You go, well, what it is, it's a large 1980s Italian executive saloon with the engine from a Ferrari. Where are you going? Come back! No, yeah, yeah, we would have lost him. But they're all left-hand drive, aren't they? All left-hand drive. This was apparently an ex-Switzerland car, but mm-hmm. not that really matters. And it had, of course, the rising boot spoiler. I think the first production car that had that. And, um, but I remember as a kid and reading about that in Car Magazine and just being absolutely fascinated. I think mm. they ran two photos, one with it in its retracted position and one with it up. It was a really clunky thing, and I think that in order to work, it had an enormous sort of box on the underside of the boot lid that ruined the boot space. But still, what a, a thing. A whole lot of weight. Yes, There's exactly. a long tradition of Lancia's with Ferrari engines, and in some ways vice versa as well for the racing cars. Do you well, mo- yeah, yeah. motorsport, yeah. Anyway, holidays. I was on holiday in North Wales camping, and incredibly, I'd forgotten about Formula One. I'd forgotten that it was the Belgian Grand Prix. Can you imagine such a thing? But it suddenly came to me, it was about five to one, and we were all going down to the river, like Bruce Springsteen did once, down to have lunch down by the river. So we're all carrying all this stuff down, and I suddenly, I thought, God, it's one o'clock, Grand Prix's on. So I reached for my solar radio, powered it up, and held the radio to get reception, and in the two and a half minutes it took for me to walk from the campsite down to the river, I heard the start, it's very Cardiff, that wasn't it, heard the start of the race on the radio. And it sounded great. There was dicing. It was all very exciting. And after the first couple of laps, we arrived and I had to join this big dinner party that we were having. So I turned off and thought, oh, don't need to worry about that. That's all going very well. And it seems at the very moment I turned the radio off, that's Something where the race happens. really got going. Yeah, mm. well, well I haven't seen the race where the yet. race sort of pretty much stopped for one of those drivers. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. happened? Nico hit. Lewis, or didn't move out of his way? What, 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 I don't know. Tell me. I thought I know vaguely. Well, I mean, briefly, yes, it was a racing incident in which two drivers fighting for a position collided. Yeah. If they hadn't been teammates, and if it hadn't been the second lap of the race, you know, your reaction will be, well, yeah, racing incident, that's what happens when one driver is trying to pass another. Yeah. If it's teammates and it's the second lap of the race, it's a clear-cut case of Nico being clumsy and not being as careful as he should have been at that point at that time was he clumsy because as i understand lewis said that nico said (laughs) well (laughs) i've been in school that he did it deliberately to prove a point well at this point we're getting into he said this Mm. reported commentary but as far as i can make out that's lewis's take on what nico said in a heated discussion with other members of the Mercedes team after the race, and maybe a slightly more reliable account of what he said was that he didn't deliberately hit him, but he did deliberately fight hard for the plate. He was making a point about being 
a tough racer, I think, was the yeah. centre of what he was saying. It looked to me, initially, like Rosberg actually turned in a bit more than he should have done to deliberately dink Hamilton's car. But on looking at the replay, I think, what happened was I Hamilton he, was committed to the know. corner, yeah. yeah, and Rosberg was right behind him, and if he was being cautious as his nose came alongside, he'd have wound off a bit of lock just to avoid that happening. Hmm. Because, truth be told, he didn't know that Hamilton would get a puncture. The no, most likely not. outcome is no. that he would damage his own car more than Hamilton's car. So yeah. it would be a dumb thing to do. I mean, it was still uh, a dumb thing to do. I'm he should have backed out of it. it. Yeah, but there was, was a second kill. You know, there's so much of the race still to go. Yeah. Why risk it? He yeah, wasn't absolutely. pulled up by the authorities for an avoidable accident then. That no, it was, well, a, it was a racing it was... incident. That's mm-hmm. the thing. When it all comes down to it, it was a racing incident. I just think Rosberg was being a bit thick there. And if he'd have played the long game, he could have overtaken taken Hamilton a bit later. Yeah, absolutely. And the Mercedes bosses, I think, are right to be pretty mad at him because it screwed up Hamilton's race. And we know that one thing you're not supposed to do as a racing driver is mm. take your teammate out, have yes. a teammate. And he broke that right at the start of the race. It wasn't deliberate. Sure, it was an accident. Yeah, it was a racing incident, but it's the kind of racing incident that's unacceptable between teammates that early in a race. Yeah. You know, and maybe arguably doubly so when you're the team that is expecting to win every race. That yeah. sort of thing happens generally with newer, younger books early on in their relationship where they elbows out to establish the pecking order. I remember Ralph and Fizzy having a same corner incident a very long time ago in the Jordans that Eddie Jordan went nuts about. I would imagine that Nicky Lauder went very nuts about the whole thing. I s- no, so that's not quite Lauder. I do better Lauder. What is Lauder's voice? I said, Lewis, don't be a stupid f***ing idiot. No, that's not bad for louder. Not a bad louder. Nicky, please don't swear. What? Oh, sorry. (laughs) I like swearing. I love Nicky Lauder. Between well, him I, I, and Toto Wolf. I'm getting to like Toto Wolf more and more every time he comes I on the team. I think he seems interview. like tremendously he's, good fun. Yeah. And so here's the and thing. And also smart. And yes. I think they are absolutely right to have their stated policy of letting their two drivers yes. race. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Good on them. But then I mean, having to else, how tell them off afterwards so, occasionally, well, yeah. fine, as long as they're overall is, still up on the There's something to talk about, You've got to give them the room. You've got to give them freedom. Give them the respect enough to let them race. Up to that point. And Nico wasn't careful enough at that point. And that's what happens. But he came out of it on top and it just feels a little unfair somehow because I think he was a bit of a div and Hamilton was pretty much for once the innocent party here. The upshot of all this was that Ricciardo got in there again, didn't he? Yeah. Won the bloody race. And it's now conceivable that somebody other than a Mercedes driver could win the driver's I know. He's a stalking horse, isn't he? It's very unlikely, but it's conceivable. It could happen. I mentioned this on Twitter, but I don't know if you saw it. I went to the Belgian Grand Prix Mm. and I was in the paddock and... I was talking to someone my wife knows who works for Red Bull and Ricardo walked past with his PR handler and this girl Katie I was talking to said, hey Dan, Dan, this is Richard, you know, sniff petrol. And Ricardo went, oh yeah, you're still riding <laughs> with a big smile on his face it, as, as he always, he always does, does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I was really embarrassed and went um, I don't know what to say and then he sort of gave me a little chuck on the arm and went nah you're right, mate love it okay. and oh. I just, I, I, it was the most you I thought about Ricardo, have you? I went back and checked Any, just to make no, sure I think, <laughs> it seems you know it, it's respect well, no, because I really like him respectfully as a, you know let's have a little joke yeah you know. I think the last thing I wrote was that claiming that he was in trouble with his boss at the surf shack where he works 
for taking time off to racing Grand Prix. But <laughs> that was the most recent thing. But yeah, he was great. And I yeah, just thought, I like him because A, he seems to be very good at driving, and B, because he seems to really enjoy it, which I think is very endearing. Yeah, but now... Yeah. He's my new hero. I swooned a little bit because I just thought, what a mm. top bloke. And, and when he won the race, I was like, yes, that's my boy then. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, was like, I was in the Mercedes hospitality. <laughs> a bit. I, uh, I'm reminded of the phrase, there's only one thing worse than being talked about, and that's not been talked about. And Ricciardo et al. would rather have been noticed and to appear in the excellent Sniffetchel than not mentioned at all. I, who was it who once said to me that people in the industry supply you cars for review, not so that they could appear on Sniffetchel, it's so they don't appear in Sniffetchel. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. God, I'm being bought off. Who I'm was it who said that? <laughs> I don't know. Tell me their name and I'll write a very rude thing about them. Another thing, actually, the same person I was talking to who works at Red Bull was desperate to introduce me to Christian Horner. And all I could think of was, oh, God, I'd just been on Ted's qualifying notebook on the Sky F1 channel the day before, appearing in a rather appalling television appearance, doing an impression of Christian Horner as a Dutch DJ. And they were going, Christian's just up there. I'll see if he's free. You should meet him. You should meet him. I was like, I, OK. And I didn't want to go, no, I don't want to meet him, because, you know, clearly this is, this is a great honour to meet someone who's got much more important things to do on a race day. Hmm. Uh, and then, thankfully, he was busy, so I couldn't. But I was thinking, what if there's an off chance that he goes back to his hotel and goes, oh, I'm just going to catch up with Ted. It's qualifying notebook. And, oh no, this guy just said some really rude things about me. Okay, here's Red Box. <laughs> but I, I noticed something about Christian Horner on the uh, Sky coverage. Yeah. A bit disappointing. He has one of those slightly naff cassette shaped iPhone covers. Does he? Which he was really? using on. Yeah. I thought, and he's grown he a did... beard as well. And he always starts every sentence with, yeah, no. Well, I said yeah, that no. on the telly as did well. You? Yeah, I nicked your observation, which is an absolutely hours. spot on observation, but that is a bit of a strange conversational tick that he has. I reckon mm. he's from Bangor because everyone in Bangor says, yes, no. Oh, yes, no. Just do that. Uh, <laughs> he, he's secretly Welsh. He'll end every sentence with, is it in future? <laughs> Uh, yeah, is it? Here's <laughs> Tina Turner. <laughs> Daniel? Daniel, what's that on your headphones? Daniel? Oh, God, is it Gareth Jones on speed? They talking about you again? They saying stuff about you? Daniel, try not to smile too much. We still need to get the helmet on you later. Oh, no. I'm going to need the face clamps again. Is it me or a Formula One driver's getting younger every day? It's the sort of thing old people say, isn't it? Well, next year we're going to break a record, aren't we? Where Max Verstappen, son of my mate, Jos Verstappen, will drive when he is 17 years and, uh, I don't know, three pubic hairs old. He turns 17 this month, I believe. Yeah. So he signed the deal as a 16-year-old. He will be 17 when he drives. Mm. So when the season starts March. Really, so. really young. Isn't he, I think, uh, the, who was the youngest, the previous record holder of the youngest it, driver ever in F1? And it, I think they were 19 or something. No, 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 19. No, 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 19. Was it not so. uh, Daniel Kvyat? Kvyat? Was he, he the Viet, current, uh, or was there someone? No, yeah. no, 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 there was someone else who held it before him. Oh, no. Before Kvyat? Uh, hey, write in and tell us. was at one yeah. point. Never knowingly over-researched. Uh, I don't know, I always thought Kvyat is 12 or thereabouts. He certainly looks it. He's I mean, he hasn't started shaving right. yet. I mean, he's doing right, yeah. People talk about, is it right for a driver that young to be coming to the sport? Are they going to be ready? Well, you know, on the basis of Kvyat, he's so far youngest driver to date, and he's, you know, the youngest driver of 
course of all the recent intake. Done perfectly well for himself, very respectable. Let's give back a chance, see what he does. I mean, yes, yeah, 17 seems crazy young for an F1 driver, but the physical demands are probably a bit less than they used to be, mm-hmm. so there's less physical demand on it. If he has the experience in other racing, if he's been karting for long enough, yeah. and he has done well in you know his brief period in junior formula, let's give him a chance. He, he certainly karted long enough because Yoss runs their own karting circuit, and indeed got into trouble for punching someone at that circuit, I believe. Wait, who? Uh, Yoss did? Yoss did a few years ago. <laughs> yes. I remember somebody someone dared very... to question that he wasn't the boss. Yeah. He, he <laughs> sorted them right out. Somebody did crack the joke that Yoss had thrown a punch at this guy, but fortunately for the potential victim, he was standing right on the apex of the corner. He missed yeah. this <laughs> Do you remember the Yoss Verstappen's world of gravel? I, I seem to remember what? that from... What is, is this like a, a chain of uh, I, I, Dutch stores or something? It, it was so. just... <laughs> It must have been. No, he's the, he's definitely the boss weekend. of those. Yeah, it must have been F1 racing or something. Grades of magazine. On <laughs> it was just shots of your personally harvested from my shade pods. Yeah. This is normal. <laughs> I welcome Max into Formula One. I just think of Jos Verstappen on fire. I yeah, was awful, yeah, I was yeah, totally yeah. at the time. Yeah, yeah. But he was in A1 Grand Prix when I was the pit lane reporter. He drove for the Dutch team, and I loved. Yoss's frankness and honesty. He was the single, probably the only genuinely honest person on that grid and swore all the time. <laughs> Even when he swore, he apologised and then swore Again. whilst he was apologising. What's, uh, what's known these days as loudering. Loudering, <laughs> yeah, that's right, yes. Yeah, I can't stop it. Yoss the boss, is he quite a sort of party animal? Uh, he did stay up with me until four o'clock in the morning in China. So yeah, but I think because he looks like he's lived a life, a little I, bit. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. He, I, not uh, in a bad way. He's just you think. Looks like he's enjoying Yoss himself. Yoss has the, blown the profits from world of gravel in many, many he's excellent from a places. Tough family, I think. Yoss from a tough, Is he? tough Dutch family. Yeah, uh. he seemed pretty darn sober at four o'clock in the morning, which rather does suggest that he is a bit of a party animal, that he can drink and drink and drink without getting drunk. He seemed very sober. I got on great with him. I loved him to bits. But I welcome Max to F1, but I don't think it's right. I think he's missing out on at least a year's experience. He may be super quick, and he may put the Frighteners up a lot of drivers in F1, as many of the young drivers are doing at the moment. But I just think when you're 17... You can burn the toast when you're making a cup of tea when you're 17. You know, you can put the pizza in the oven still in its polystyrene wrapper when you're 17. You can sleep with a girl and get her pregnant the first time you sleep with a girl when you're 17. Yeah. You make these ridiculous and you mistakes. you can win Olympic gold medals and you can you write know. extraordinary genius works of music. Yes. Thank yes. you very much. I wrote a lot when I was 17. It's, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. And also what 17 year olds have is, is, uh, is, as we see in town centres every Friday night, 17 year olds are fearless True. Which is why they're always climbing up scaffolding and getting yep. into scraps and things yep. like that. And in a way, you bo- want that from mm. a driver. I'd rather see that, and as long as it's sort of tempered with some fundamental talent, than a sort of lily-livered cautiousness that it, clearly doesn't go for gaps and that doesn't try the things that you see the true greats doing, the attempting to go around the outside and, and the stuff that, that you know people like Hamilton and Alonso do wise old dogs that they are compared to Verstappen, but they've still got that sort of sense of bravery and daring do, which you want from drivers. In- interesting, uh, yeah. you mentioned Alonso there. He was one of the drivers who held the youngest ever Formula One driver thing when he drove for Minardi in fourteen seventy 
one, I think it was, after the Renaissance. So here's the question. Does coming in as a youngster allow you to continue driving like a sort of a challenger or do you mature? Whereas drivers who come in later think, oh, I've waited for a long time for my chance, I'm going to be careful now. They are then careful for the rest of their career. Button was very young. Yeah, but I think it's also, I mean, partly it's got to be down to personality. That's the Mm. thing. I think maybe, for example, Button. You don't see so much of that gung-ho, I'll give this a go and see if I can make it stick. Or that sort of, I suspect, again, with Hamilton, with Alonso, there's a sense of, I'm so good at this, I'm going to make this stick. Mm -hmm. The other thing that George Best apparently said when people said, why do you never pass the ball? And he said, well, something to the effect of, I look around and I'm the best person on the pitch to have the ball. (laughs) And and that, brilliant (laughs) self-belief. And you sort of need that. And I mean, I know it sounds arrogant, but it's also, if you can prove it by being brilliant, then why not? That self-belief is great as long as there is sufficient talent to back it up. Yes, Eddie Irvine being sort of... If if you have that (laughs) self-belief without the ability... You're a disaster. Yeah. You know? Well, again, I, I, as I say, that's Eddie Irvine. Yeah. Just that sort of incredible <laughs> bulletproof self-belief, but never quite backed up with necessarily consistent brilliance. Well, no, he came third in the World Championship mm. in 99, didn't he? Have you seen Ron Dennis doing this ice bucket challenge thing that's going on and on and on? And on no, I did see that he'd done it, but I haven't oh, seen it. I heard that Button had done it, and I know yeah, that Lewis they've done really it. Sorry, I'm going to be smug again, but I, when I was at the Belgian Grand Prix, oh, <laughs> and when I was in the paddock, hello. Uh, it was littered with puddles with ice in them because of all the drivers and all the team bosses doing the ice bucket challenge. And it's got a bit much now. It's all for a very good cause, but, I mean, really, this thing's got to fizzle out. But, thankfully, it did not fizzle out before Ron did it because... It's the most extraordinary thing. Did he have special ice? A special well, bump, special I'm not sure. Precision machine, that he didn't, bucket. Yes, the bucket looked pretty pristine. And the temperature of the ice had to be exactly minus I'd imagine there was a development programme. That's why he's quite late to doing it, because <laughs> yeah. of all the research. Uh, yeah. But most people, when you watch these videos, if they're doing it right, and it really is iced water, they react quite violently uh, yeah. when it gets uh, dumped over their react, head, because yeah. it's colder than you expect, I would imagine. But... Not a flinch. He's wearing his suit and sitting at his desk. He's <laughs> poured over his head, and then he goes, oh, that's cold. In the manner that- of a robot that's been programmed to say something that it's not feeling. <laughs> it's, uh, please, if you haven't I seen it, go and watch it. It's brilliant. Respect to the Ron stuff I know. for being able to... I know, well, that's the thing. I, just, I, I think he's an extraordinary man in a number of ways. I don't mean that flippantly, but his no, ability to he resist iced water <laughs> is possibly his greatest superpower. Whereas if you poured that over Max Verstappen, would you get all the expletives? that his dad has taught him well well, one would hope so that would be a great thing so about this I suppose one of the questions is do you object to him being the lack of experience but also because what you believe maybe that he's taking a seat that could be given to a more experienced driver I think they're putting excess pressure on someone I think he'll do well well. I think he would do better and therefore the team would do better if they gave him a year of test driving, get to know the machinery. I believe he's already crashed in uh, oh, a demo doing a recently. Demo in. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's a funny one, that, though, because it's really weird. It looks like he just sort of drives it straight into the barrier. And I suspect that he couldn't see the barrier, perhaps, or that he got wrong-footed by the clutch or the anti-stall or something like that. Yeah. Because it's too odd. Someone who'd never driven a car before with a couple of minutes of practice wouldn't make such an elementary mistake as just going into a wall because you've got the brakes. I think something else happened. And, of course, it's a bit embarrassing for him. It's his first time publicly in that 
car, mm. or on the old cars, I think, and he smacks it into a wall and knocks the front wing off. Yeah, but they fixed it again. It wasn't fundamental, so you know. Mm. Talking about new drivers, the rumours about McLaren getting a new driver for next year for the Honda period yeah. have resurfaced again over Alonso going back to mm. McLaren. Well, I'm still finding that hard to imagine. I think there's a greater game there. I think they're just unsettling. I don't know what McLaren will do. And they're very open about wanting to sign some top talent if they can yeah. get Vettel or if they can get... To uh, draw in top talent, you have to design a top car, and they've conspicuously failed to do that for a bit, haven't well, they? So, Kobayashi yeah. is available now, thanks to losing his seat in Caterham. Yeah. Oh, no, hang on, he's getting, but he's getting it back again, isn't he? The next I've race? Lost, I think well, Lotterer uh, is was just a one-off. But he may be in the car at... Um, Monster, Monster as well I think we're there recording this before Monster because he him. didn't get a fair crack did yeah. because of, uh, yeah. so maybe they've gone back left. to sponsors and said you know come on that didn't work out let's yeah. make it happen at this rate but I think that's still up in the air can you so. imagine the phone conversations though if they're happening between Ron Dennis and Alonso what would Ron have to say to Alonso that could bring him back to McLaren no I think it's the other way around I think it's what could Alonso say to Ron that would make him say okay you can come back I promise not you to stab you in the back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, that's true. But I said at the Belgian Grand Prix, I said on Twitter something about because I was in a room when Jensen Button came in into one of those Q and A sessions with a journalist, and he's really good in a room. He was really chatty. He was funny, relaxed. Later on, Hamilton came in, did the same deal, was really edgy, a bit stroppy, and it was a shame because he drew the biggest crowd. Mm. And I said on Twitter, Button's really good in a room. He'll make a great pundit one day. Mm. And loads of people replied with, you mean next year? So I think there's this sort of feeling amongst F1 fans that Button's days are numbered, which Mm -hmm. seems a shame. Don't think Ron loves him, does he? Don't think so, no. I mean, he was more Whitmarsh's man Mm. than Ron's, and with the end of the Whitmarsh era, maybe there's less enthusiasm for Button in the management at McLaren. He's getting on, he's you know, yeah. he's, he's an older driver now. And, you know, and he's very good he in the right circumstances, but I think he's one of those drivers that, if the car's not with him, yeah. he gets a bit flustered, doesn't he? And that's... Yeah, he needs the right conditions. He needs a certain sort of range of conditions or certain conditions to really shine. But on his day, he's terrific. He's yeah, dependable. They, dependable yeah. to come out. He's more than dependable, though, because yeah. he's, he's, yeah. He, you know, he, no, he has flashes of brilliance. Yeah. 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 Changing right. conditions, you know, yeah, when exactly. the tracks and that's an in-between state. There are spots like that where he is outstanding mm. and where you don't, for a moment, question why a team like McLaren would want to bring him on board and have him lead the team. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. But if I was a team like Sky F1, I'd be... Just, you know, Jensen, are you, are you around next? Are you busy? So, do you want to just, anyway, look, here's, yeah. here's my card. Give us a call if there's anything that you want. This thing, the question I was going to raise is, though, yes, Button's there and, and capable of great things, and there's no reason why McLaren wouldn't want to keep him if they, you know, if, if there was nothing If they didn't the have table, a better option, but, I think uh, that, yeah. They, well, I've also got to raise the question, what about Kevin Ken Magnussen? I mean... He's not exactly sparkled in that admittedly not very sparkling car. Mm. But Didn't he out-qualify Button? He has done, yeah. yeah. At Spa, yeah. I think he did. I think he's certainly done well enough that you'd want to see how he's done by the end of the season at least. I think he was certainly too aggressive in Belgium defending his position. He pretty much put Button and Alonso off the road at different times and surprised he didn't get penalised. I always think, sorry, sorry, I always think that the way to identify whether a driver is going to keep their drive for next year or not towards the end of the season is if their performance level changes if it stays the same the drivers they always did then they've kept their drive but if their driving suddenly becomes fantastic or if the driving suddenly becomes appalling 
it means that they've lost their drive for next year because Mm. either suddenly you find the speed to prove to the other teams that you're worth having or you're so demolished that you just drive as as, as slow as Max Chilton. Did I say that out loud then? Sorry. I think with Magnussen, with Verstappen coming in, with Rosberg, essentially, I reckon by 2019, basically there'll be a new rule that you have to be the son of a former driver, (laughs) which is tremendous news for Leo Mansell. Hello, I am Dave Mansour. Uh, please, could I have a drive, please? Go away, Tacky! Oh. Gareth Jones on Speed. It's such a shame that this episode of Gareth Jones on Speed is an audio podcast and not a video podcast, because if you could see me now in my horizontally striped, open-necked Breton shirt... We'd all feel that you were missing a bicycle, a string yes. of onions, yes. and a beret. Shawnee Winus. You know, there was a guy in my hometown, Hollywell in North Wales, who was Breton, and he sold onions, and he wore a stripy top. No. Yeah, really, yeah, really. Before I was born, this is my grandmother used to tell me about this, he used to ride a bike with onions on it, black and white striped top, and he spoke Breton, because he was Breton, not French, because the people of Britain like to consider themselves bit like the Welsh, you know. Oh, no, no, we're not English, you know. And no, no. Breton, they like to separate themselves much as the Welsh do. The Breton people say, oh, no, no, we're not French. You know, we're Breton, even though they are French and they can speak French. But they do speak Breton, which is a P-Celtic language exactly like Welsh. And it's too removed from Welsh. So when we went over to Brittany recently, where I bought this shirt, we were staying in a place called T. Nadan, Nadan's house. And all the places are called things like Kergrois. And it's, it's basically Welsh with a French accent. It's so close to Welsh. I felt really, really at home. But I felt most at home because I was driving a French car while I was there as well. I had this Citroen, let me get it right, Grand C4 Picasso. It's not the C4 Grand Picasso. Is that right? No, it's the Grand C4 Picasso. This one, which is only slightly longer. I don't understand that. Mm. Yeah, grand. Grand. Oh, no, not the C4 Picasso. You want the Grand C4 Picasso. I just suddenly found myself thinking... How many other cars are named after explosives? Picasso. Oh, C4. C4. Oh. <laughs> um, Composition 4. Really? Uh, it's yeah, that dynamite, a, Well, no? It's a form of plastic explosive. Is it? I, uh, I, how do you know that, see? No, I, 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 I just happen to know well, a certain yeah, amount sort of explosives. Actually, sort of, yeah. actually kind of... It's just a military plastic explosive. Ford Fiesta yeah. of explosives, isn't it? It's everywhere. It's, yeah, um, much, yeah, It's just sort of basic a basic demolition... They're always talking about it in like Bruce Willis movies and stuff like that. Comp 4, C4. I don't know the names of any other explosives. There's never been... TNT. Yeah, never. Been a parcels, Never been an Audi TT TNT edition or anything like that? Uh, not that I know of, no. I got a I'm great... still a bit intrigued by this man who lived in your hometown. Yeah, yeah, Shawnee Winus. But Johnny, he, Johnny the Onions, Johnny Winners, Johnny Onions, yeah, Johnny yeah. Onions. Yeah, yeah. I bet so, he knew his. So we have no kind of sort of cliches at all, or no. anything, or any, there, are, there, are, there are two things any, that any stereotypes. Me about this. First of all, he wore a striped jersey and sold onions. Yeah. I believe that he was actually having you all on. He was probably a Welshman pretending to be uh, French, wasn't he? Uh, did he ever say oi 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 in a comical way? Uh, no, he probably and said something very Welsh. If you asked him to speak French, did he just turn the accent up a bit? Yes, I think that's probably what he did. Also. 
this is how I speak French. This, this, is, this, this is, is, French. is my native language. How, <laughs> how dare, dare you, you say question it? Me. <laughs> <laughs> this is at Rogers. I throw onions at you. Uh, and also, if you spoke Breton, which you said was too removed from Welsh, yeah. did he, was, was he actually, his life was a living hell as he couldn't be understood or understand anyone? No, he could be understood very well. Oh, I see. Too, yeah, too, too removed, removed from Welsh. Too removed is still okay. So, yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as long got, as he spoke Breton with a Welsh accent, yeah, yeah, he you're was there. completely yeah. understood. Yeah. And if I spoke Welsh with a French accent, the Breton people would understand me. It's as close as that. It really is. Cornish is basically Welsh with a West Country accent. The example being that the Welsh word for Merry Christmas is Nadolig Llawen. Welsh words for Merry yes. Christmas. The Cornish expression for Merry Christmas is Nadolig Llawen. Which is the same thing, just said with a West Country accent like that, and the soften the double L's to a There are no Cornish speakers left, though, are there? Not native. Well, yes, there are children whose parents speak Cornish, who've learnt it academically, who speak Cornish at home now, and the Welsh were instrumental in bringing back Cornish. But the last living native Cornish speaker, what was her name? Dolly Pentreef, died in the 18th century. But the Cornish language is in a, a revival. And if you go to Cornwall now and you put your money in a bank machine, you can have the instructions in really? Cornish if you want, which I can read. I never thought that's I'd say this, but that can is, we get back to the session? Yeah. That really is pretty pointless. <laughs> I never thought you'd say this. I, well, I felt right at home. I felt right at home because I was in a part of France where they speak the nearest thing to Welsh there is, apart from Cornish. And also, there were loads. I know it's heightened awareness. If you're driving a car, you'll notice all the others around as well. But there were many, many, not grand Picassos, but C4 Picassos and the previous generation Grand Picasso, which had terrible suspension, I'm told. Probably. That was an awful car yes yeah. but not this one this one was fab they've made it a lot simpler haven't they they've done away with classic citroen suspension the old one had self-leveling rear axle mm. that failed mm-hmm. there's one that parks mm. near my office at the beep that just sits there sagged onto its ass like an old citroen with hydro yeah yeah, yeah. pneumatics but, it's meant but to do that. doesn't it's just because the really? suspension's failed well the only thing that went wrong with this car was one stray bit of plastic which we couldn't even work out where it came from it was just floating around in the car now that's clearly off something we cannot work out where it's from it's clearly the right plastic couldn't Mm. match it The rest of the time, it was fab. And I'm saying this from a man who was horribly unimpressed with the last Citroen I drove, which was that DS5 Hybrid 4. Quite that right. Is, I've driven that. That's a woeful car, isn't it? I was astonished. I think it's a beautiful car. Yes, it's a terrific-looking car. Useless bit of horrid. engineering. Lovely yeah. bit of styling. Whereas this, I would go as far as to say that this was as good as an S-Max. I know the S-Max is, what, eight what? years old now? Mm, it's, it's, on, yeah. yeah. But... I couldn't fault it. I couldn't unsettle it. And I wasn't Mm. expecting that. I wasn't expecting it to be a great handling car. It's an MPV. But there were occasions in Brittany where, you know, the kids in the back are going, yeah, go on, Dad. And Violet's going, Gareth, slow down. You know, and I couldn't unsettle it. I couldn't. I was trying to unsettle it. I couldn't. And I was genuinely... What were you doing to unsettle it? Like telling it that there was a nuclear war on the way that Ukraine <laughs> carried on in this manner with Russia? Getting, getting, getting a bit drunk, making it watch uh, Eraserhead or something. Yeah. 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 Other oh, cars in your range aren't as good as you. That's the opposite of unsettling. Yeah. No, I couldn't shake it. And it was properly easygoing on the auto... What do you call them? Auto routes. Yeah. Properly easygoing. Low stress. You know, it's got this monster windscreen. Mm. Uh, if you see the pictures of it, you can see a huge panoramic roof it's got and this monster windscreen. But it has this nice thing where the sun visors, as well as folding down, slide up into a slot as well, giving you what feels like being in the canopy of a Bell 
47G, you know, the helicopters that mm. start to mash, a big glass bubble. You really are completely exposed in it. And, and it was lovely for watching, you know, French wind turbines go by and stuff. Everything was effortless in this car. It was a really low stress car. Maybe it was just the mood I was in because we were in a lovely holiday environment. But it didn't seem complicated. It didn't seem stressed. It, it has the grace that I suppose Citroens of past are, are known for. You know, you, well, you're I, a Citroen S yeah, yeah. kind of guy. So yeah, well, I, yeah, I've owned one Citroen in the past. Aspired to own a couple of others, but uh, I've never got my hands on a Light 15. I'd still love to have a Light 15 at some mm. point. I had a quick look at it before you get it off, actually. I remember yeah. we had a little, little, little chat about it. And it, made, it looks it's well, like I, the last I, I think one it's a look. I think it's really some... nicely proportioned. It uh, for... makes a great first impression. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get a chance to take a ride in it, but I like what I saw. I you? still struggle with electric handbrakes these days, or automatic handbrakes, because the way that they work, you know, you push to put it on, pull to release just seems the wrong way round to me. I haven't lived with an electric parking brake for very long, but I find them pretty awkward, to be honest. It had it all, and the screen... Oh, yeah, all right. OK, there's one thing about the car I think is a missed opportunity. It's got this massive, I think, TFT display on... For the, the navigation the and all of your... Yeah, um, but so half of it is given over to just a really nice landscape. Picture. I kid you not. And, and you can change what that it, landscape is as well. And it never shows anything else. No, you can that choose. Screen it. Is never used for, that part of the screen is never used for anything else. Uh, Most of the time, not. Most of the time, not. Uh, it will double up occasionally if you've got the sat nav and it needs to tell you to turn. But most of the time, it's a pretty okay, thing well, to look at. <laughs> I think that's the same screen that's in the Peugeot 308 now, isn't it? I haven't yeah. doing the 308 at all. It's the one where the temperature adjustment is on the screen. That one. I think it's the same, it's the same platform yeah, it will of be. car, so I think yeah. it is. But you can divvy around with the settings and do all sorts of play tunes on it, because you can change the whole background as well, can't you? And, and, yes. Uh, oh, there are three different layouts for the screen. I like the, uh, what's the word, synthetic speedo thing on this you know we had it on the jag as well mm -hmm. i wasn't that impressed with the jag it still looks like a graphic and in a jag which is a very premium car you'd expect to have something better but on a citroen which is not a premium car you can get away with that slightly more graphic look and i think it was good for that and there were three different versions of it that you could choose they were all perfectly good you know but one bit more digital one bit more analog and i've mentioned this before do you remember the chrysler grand voyager that i had last year had sort of underfloor storage under mm. the back well mm, the citroen's mm. got it as well there's loads of underfloor secret storage and in fact there is one secret storage on this car too far because a few days after the car was collected i was gathering up all our stuff from camping here and i couldn't find my passports uh. <laughs> uh, whole family's passports at all oh god I went through everything couldn't find it alright it must be in the car so I called up Citroen and said you know that car that I just had from you would you do me a favour and go into the security box that they've got under the driver's seat Hmm. I, I bet it's in there because I remember putting it in there on the way back we went to Brighton for the day left it in NCP or put my passports in there so the guy from Citroen went out and looked around and it no it's, can't find it. it's not there so oh god what have I done you know I've dropped my passport somewhere done something and then I got a phone call out of the blue the next day uh, is that Gareth Jones yeah oh my name is forgive me I've forgotten the chap's name another motoring writer who just had a Citroen 
Dram C4 delivered and was looking round all the cubby holes, went underneath the driver's seat and found <laughs> four passports. And mine had my phone number in it and phoned me to let me ah. know. So you can guarantee that the security of that slot there is either so very good that your passports and valuables become invisible when they're in there, which is why Citroen couldn't found it, or the lad who looked, looked in the wrong car. I don't know which. Who knows? But I tell you, I was proper impressed. I'm glad Citroen have got their mojo back. I can't wait to drive the cactus, the C4 cactus. Oh, I've got one of those coming next week. Have you? Can I come and play with it? No. Oh. Well, all right then. I think it's next week or the week after, yes. I know. Get a brown one. Get a brown one. I don't know what's coming. I just asked them nicely if I could borrow one. Because it is. It's an interesting car, isn't it? It's a very interesting car. A nice minimum automobile. Yes, that's the thing. I like the whole idea of it. Lightness and simplicity. I think they'll do well. Yes, I hope they do well. Because if they do well, it'll encourage them to do more of that sort of thing. Yeah. I think that it potentially could polarise people. I've seen one in the flesh on display at the Goodwood Festival of Speed. And it's an interesting looking thing, but I don't know whether maybe people will be put off a little bit by its cookiness, quackiness, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I hope not, because the I, world needs more interesting cars. I've got a theory about that. I think when you first see it, like a lot of cars, when you first see them, if they are a little bit wacky, they look really wacky. But almost from the second time you've seen them, having seen them for the first time, they stop being wacky. They just become interesting. And I think... That car will do well for that. I well, it's just, yeah, and also ubiquity kind of takes the edge off, doesn't it? Mm. I mean, remember the original Ford Ka seemed like yeah. something quite extraordinary and off the wall when it yep. first came out. And now, I mean, they're just street furniture, aren't they? You wouldn't look at one mm. twice and they're more than a lamppost. But when they first came out, they were pretty exceptional. And also there's the issue of designers. If they've got their antenna properly tuned, they see design trends and they know what's sort of happening at the end. Mm. They anticipate the mm. way that tastes are going to go. And so that revolutionary cutting-edge look one year, five years later, suddenly that car looks more acceptable and looks more tasteful and looks more regular because Mm. everyone else is caught up and everyone is doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly pretty, I think. And hasn't it come a long way? Do you remember when that car, or that car's grandfather, parents, I don't know, it was the Zara Picasso when it first came out. There was a concept of the original Picasso and then it, it came out. They're one of the worst driven cars no. on the road, I find, those Zara Picassos. <laughs> the, the original ones are sort of, like, sort of kind of like a swoopy arch shape that was sort of immortalised in... Um, I, uh, what's I that Welsh sitcom? Yeah, that, uh, Gavin yeah. and Stacey. And, yes. and Bryn uh, has one, the Rob Bryden character. But yeah, they're always driven really badly, I think. Because oh, there's a lot of them. Up there with X5s children. and those horrible yeah. minivans. No, but a different kind of bad driving. X5 is sort of very aggressive um, yeah. and rather... Um, word I can't say mm. but is inattentive yeah. you sort of course the school of driving so people who drive, find driving an awful do. chore and they'd yeah. rather not do it but they're forced to do it and they just do it badly because they're not interested yeah it's not caring enough and caring yeah. too much kind yeah. of uh, the two extremes yes yes so, well, come, or a certain kind of caring too much anyway, yeah yes. about moving but on. not caring enough about what people think of them the yeah. X5s and yes. we think well we know what we think of them I thought I was French the whole time actually I thought it was Breton not French at all what, so you drove incredibly briskly across country with a fag on the go yeah of in a small hat looking dismissive of things generally oh, I told you this I've this mentioned this before but I was once idiot. I was once I think in the yeah. Loire Valley and I was driving up this sort of small side of a valley near where we were staying in a Renault Megane hire car I think and then I saw in the mirror a Citroen BX in the distance mm-hmm. and when I looked in the mirror again on the next straight the BX was a bit closer and then the next straight sort of round a hairpin next straight 
BX is really closing in now. And then it was only when I went around the next corner and then looked back and I saw the BX actually coming around a corner rather than head on that mm. I noticed that it was towing a small trailer. <laughs> and I was like, bloody hell, <laughs> it's really clipping along that BX because yeah. I wasn't hanging around. I'd sort of got to yeah. know the road from staying in the area for a week. I've got to keep my toe in here. Although, no, the BX is up. The BX is behind me. The road sort of got to the top, levelled out. We've got onto a flat bit where he's not sort of working uphill. The BX overtook me. It was still towing the trailer, driven by a man who looked about 120 years old. He had a face like some deflated basketball and a tiny little cap on, and he could barely see over the wheel. And he was driving it like Alain Prost. It was Bravo. a breathtaking thing to behold. And the window was down a bit, so I'm guessing he had a Galois on the go as well. Oh. Sir, I salute you. It had to be a Citroën, because I think of the three French brands, Renault, Citroën and Peugeot, I think Citroën are the most French, because they're kind of modern, and the French have a good relationship with modern technology yeah I, I, I think they? I think Pompidou, they are TGV Pompidou Centre they're the most forward looking in that sense yeah <laughs> yes. they're, 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 they're <laughs> the most French and they're the ultimate French consumer motoring yeah. brand for motorsport Renault undoubtedly have them trailing using the dust Citroen can't hold a candle to Renault and Peugeot certainly can make some more exciting road cars but in terms of your actual regular road car for your regular French dude or yeah. dudette yeah. If you could serve Citroën, their Frenchness could be best encapsulated by a man in a stripy jersey eating cheese, cycling around Hollywell with a (laughs) basket of onions on front of a bicycle (laughs) in some way or other. And uh, whistling a Vanessa parody on that continually confusing note. (laughs) um, Time to end. (laughs) I think I'm confusing this show with Top Gear, though, aren't you? (laughs) You've been listening to Richard Porter. Goodbye. To the Zong. Goodbye. Uh, Me, uh, Johnny Venus, Gareth, Jones. Ooh, I got 38 miles to the gallon, you know. I don't know what that is in litres, but uh, it was all right. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! <laughs>